You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject you're about to tune into, his name is Patrick Jensen. He's from the Swedish outfits The Haunted and also Witchery. The reason for the conversation is to promote the band's upcoming dates in Australia with At The Gates. It's headlined three bands, four nights, Sweden takes over down under, hard to argue with that. And the four dates that I've got are as follows. It's 24th of April, they're playing in Canberra. The 25th, Anzac Day, they're playing in Brisbane. On the 26th, they're playing in Sydney. And finally, there's a show in Melbourne on the 27th. So let's hear what Patrick has to say. Here we go. How's things? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. It's uh, it's it's 6 a.m. down here, mate. And we're... Oh. <laughs> it's very... <laughs> I'm sorry, man. That's fine. It's... it's... I'm up anyway with my kids, so it's no dramas at all, mate. I pick these times, so it's no dramas whatsoever. You know, it's um, what to, I don't know what it's, mate. We've had just months and months of bullshit hot weather, and uh, yeah. this morning is the first morning I've got up and I've actually had to put on a dressing gown, which means that it must be lower than twenty degrees. So, so mate, I'll take it. Yeah, well, we've uh, had a very cold winter, and the spring was here, and, you know, the bushes start uh, budding, I think you say. Yeah. And uh, this morning, uh, we woke up uh, to fresh snow. Like, no, oh. it's coming back. I mean, let's bring some summer, finally. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Well, when, when's the tour down here, mate? It's not too far away, is it? Is it, is it next month? No, it's uh, in uh, two weeks. Two weeks, gosh, yeah, I knew, I knew it was very close. It was on the very near horizon. But, uh, mate, if you, when you come down here, have you got much time off or is the tour just, you, you know, you've got the dates and then you, you're back home? We, we, we land in Sydney and we have a day off on arrival because, you know, the, the jet lag and everything. Um, and then we also have a, The Haunted has a day off in uh, Melbourne when At The Gates goes to uh, Tasmania. Oh, God, so yeah, okay, that's freezing that's, down there. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's about uh, the only time off we have. I wish we had more time off because we're playing Brisbane, right? Yeah, well, that's where I'm from. Yeah. Yeah. So Brisbane. Yeah. 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 So that's that I was, yeah, I was just my favorite s- city. I just wanted to get that in there. <laughs> oh, sweet. Cool. Yeah. What What do you yeah. like about it so much? I. You know, uh, the whole. Uh, uh, you know, Perth is kind of similar to uh, to Brisbane with the uh, you know the climate and the beaches, palm trees, and everything. But you know, Perth is so far away. I mean, mm. you know, Brisbane is a more uh, happening city, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people feel that. You know, Perth is so isolated. I think I'm right in saying it's the most isolated capital city on the planet. Um, mm. And uh, look, it, that, that doesn't mean too much these days because of the way the internet has brought us so close together. But you've still got a bit of an isolated feel over there. And they're, they're very proud over there of being Western Australians because that's a state, you see, which is, yeah. a, which is almost about as... You know, Western Australia as a state is about as big as half of Europe. Um, right. It's it's and it's mostly desert, mostly desert, yeah. of course. You know, so there's only very. That's the thing about Australia, mate. You're probably aware. There's just um, we all live in only a few capital cities because you you can't live anywhere else. The 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 um, the environment is just too harsh to support human population. Right, and I mean. I remember the first time uh, we went there back in 2003, it was, you know, already back then people were talking in Australia, they were talking about climate change and that that there was no rain and there was no fresh water to be had. And, you know, and now everyone is talking about climate change. And I can only Mm. imagine how it is, uh, you know, in 
in the hotter parts of Australia. Oh, it's very, yeah, I'm definitely not a climate change denier. I'll put that out there now. I certainly believe in climate change. But, you know, the thing about Australia is when, when we go back through history, and we've only been keeping records for a bit over 100 years, can you believe it? So not very long at all. Um, right. We've always had periods where, where the problem with Australia is the temperatures are so extreme. It, 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 can be, it can be really hot for a period of time, but then when it rains, it rains for like weeks at a time. So, of course, then it floods. You know, so it's like these massive extremes constantly happening. And, um, yeah, and I think people sort of wonder why in Australia, like, uh, you know, why, why do so many of us live in suburban environments? Well, because we can't bloody live anywhere else. It's too hard. Right. You know, mm. and, and the people that do live out in the bush, they're very hard people. You know, like, it's, yeah. it's a bit like people who live up north in Sweden and Norway, I suppose. You know, it's a very, very harsh climate. You're the Laplanders, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Sami. <laughs> the Sami. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, you know, it's uh, it, it sort of breeds toughness, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. Mate, we better we better talk about this tour. And uh, look, I'm looking forward to it, as I'm sure you can imagine. Down here, a lot of people are because we don't get to see witchery. I don't even think we've seen witchery down here at all, have we? So, no, this the first time. Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah, and mate, we are, and you're pulling double duty though, because of course you're a foundation member of both bands, being Witchery and The Haunted, and and I think I counted it correctly. You've got about fifteen or sixteen albums worth of material to cull songs from for both mm-hmm. bands. So so how do you pick a set list when you're coming this far? Well, uh, it is actually pretty hard, uh, but that's also, I mean, um, uh, well. It's a, it's a pleasant, um, uh, what do you say, pleasant... Uh, uh, nice problem to have. Nice problem to have, yeah. It, I mean, I remember when we did the first, uh, because the first Haunted album, it really took off. We won the best newcomer lists all over the place, and yeah. we ended up doing headliner tours straight away. And we didn't have, we only had one album, so we had to fill out the shows with, we, we played one uh, At The Gate song, because, you know, back then three guys who were from at the gate so we played blinded by fear and then we played uh, a witchery song actually so we played the reaper can you imagine that nice. yeah. just to fill up the set yeah but you know it's, it's a nice problem to have so yeah and actually I, as we speak uh, i just um, uh, got off my uh, my music recording computer and i'm writing the next uh, both haunted and witchery albums actually so there's going to be even more material soon Mate, nice, yeah. And look, I, I've, I'm in my forties, right? So I've been around a long time. I've seen the metal resurgence that happened, and I really do think. I remember reading um, Terrorizer and Metal Maniacs back in the day. I remember those magazines? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, Metal yeah. Maniacs. Sorry, I know Terrorizer's yeah. probably still going, but um, mm. yeah. And and I remember reading about um, the Haunted's debut album. And then, of course, the first album from Witchery. They were about the same time, about 1998, 1999. And it was around about that time, especially with the Haunted's album coming out, that there was that resurgence. Now, heavy metal yeah. started to become something that wasn't so much of a dirty word as far as the regular rock and metal fan was, you know, the regular rock fan was concerned. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. 90s, for people who weren't there, it's very hard to articulate how underground metal went, isn't yes. it? Yes. Uh, I remember, actually, uh, because of... I don't know what it is with that album. I mean, we, uh, we weren't uh, aiming at doing anything, you know... Uh, special we just played the music that we wanted uh and 
for some reason, uh, it started kind of, you know, I don't want to sound like a jerk to say that it started at thrash, uh, regenerating the thrash scene. But hmm. because of that album, there was a lot of interest in thrash all of a sudden. And, you know, all these uh, classic bands that were just living in the shadows, like, uh, uh, well, you know, the classic bands, they started to come back mm. and now they are massive and they are uh, legacy bands now. And, you know, they will always play uh, festivals and so on, which is great. So mm. and maybe it was bound to happen. Maybe we were just right in time. We just happened to, to release the album, you know, with perfect timing. But uh, yeah, definitely it was great to be part of that uh, whole, uh, uh, you know, new what. The resurgence. Second or third yeah. or, yeah, or yeah. fifth wave of, of thrash, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it really kicked everything off. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this, but Carcass got together not too long after that, certainly at the gates did. You know, and I really do think that the, the Haunted should be credited with that because it became, it was an underground movement that it was the first time I started to see, like, pretty normal-looking people, if you know what I'm saying, like non-metal people wearing heavy metal band t-shirts is the first time I started mm. to see a lot of haunted t-shirts around, even here, mate, in Sydney, mm. Brisbane, I started to see it, mate. So, uh, mate, you got to be credited with that. So well done for that. You know, it's, um, and it's still, mate, that first album holds up. And, and, mm. and Witchery, I always enjoyed because I, I don't know whether this is the right descriptor, but I always liked the fact that there was a bit of a, a black and death thing going on there, black and thrash thing going on there. And I think, that might have opened up the, the gateway to black metal for some fans who otherwise might have ignored it. Perhaps. I think also Dimu played a big role because they had the bombastic theatrics. So they mm. kind of brought in, you know, uh, maybe people who just want, or not just wanted, but, you know, enjoyed the whole um, uh, atmosphere and everything. So, yeah. and they were around the same time as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, Witchery is a nice for me, of course, because I write the music. I yeah. like that blend between, uh, you know, um, maybe accept mixed with uh, black metal and some destruction in there. And, uh, you know, maybe something that sounds even uh, um, Dio era Sabbath and lots yes. of merciful fates. <laughs> so, yes. you know. It's uh, it's actually uh, people ask me when I write music, uh, how do you know which riff goes where? I always start out writing for Witchery because Witchery is more of a musical playground for me. And it, with Haunted, there's like a, you know, it's this, you know, Haunted is the bigger band than, than Witchery. So there's a lot more expectations on, on Haunted. So mm. Witchery is freer and, you know, expectations is what gives you writer's block. And, you know, like you said, uh, how many albums, 15, 16 or whatever, hmm. you know, you, you're bound to hit the writer's block eventually. Uh, and with always writing for Witchery, I have the lower threshold. Not that not to say that Witchery is um, uh, has less quality. It's just, uh, you know, in your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's easier to write riffs. And then all of a sudden, when I have two or three witchery riffs, I, I have maybe one haunted riff for free because all oh, but this oh, is yeah. way more haunted. Yeah. So, you know, then I, I just keep it for the haunted. So I get those haunted riffs for free. Mm. Hey, and, and in my view, you've got probably uh, the greatest modern heavy metal bassist in your band being Charlie D'Angelo. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a beast. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm a bassist, and and I I really admire what he does. I just I saw him on stage not too long ago. You know, when Arch Enemy came down here for download, and mm -hmm. and I had a chat to Alisa, 
before uh, she came down with that. And I said, what's it really like being up on stage there with him? And she's like, oh, God, you know, I mean, Elise is a superstar in her own right, as you know, but she's like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm standing there on stage and I just have to sort of pinch myself because I've got Charlie D'Angelo. And a lot of people who aren't musicians don't understand his impact, if you like, on heavy metal and on bass playing in heavy metal. But mm-hmm. my question for you, mate, is that when you're writing stuff for witchery, do you have him in mind as a bassist from time to time just to let him do his thing? Or uh, do you just go to give him the riffs and go, man, bit like uh, Steve DiGiorgio and all the bands that he works in, you just go, man, you do your thing and I know you're going to make it sound great. Well, he's actually, um, uh, Shirley is very knowledgeable. He's a very smart guy. He's also very funny. Hmm. And uh, he's, um, uh, you know, very uh, well-read on the music history and he knows, you know, um, all the bands, uh, you know, uh, and... uh, He's very good at when you write uh, music. He always comes up when you. Um, he might not write uh, the actual music, but he's a mm. very good uh, catalyst. So you know, I'm stuck with this riff. We'll throw in some Schenker stuff, like kind of like this, and he does something, and then mm, you know, and you sit there for a few <laughs> minutes, and then you know something pops up. He's a really, really good. Uh, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, inspirer. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's so smart. Yeah, and and he has this way. He knows what because we we've been friends for so long. He knows what uh, uh, what is uh, stopping me or blocking me. So he knows what to well do. Do do something like this, and just because he plays it, I hear it from a, a different source than my own fingers, and they go, "But that is pretty good," you know. Okay, so, you know, so he's really good to have around. And I love the kind of Geezer Butler style that he has. He does yeah. all the, you know, that uh, little, you know, yeah. people praise Tony Iommi with all right, but there's a lot of, uh, the, to the Black Sabbath sound, uh, should be credited to Geezer. So Charlie has that, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, um, I try to describe his bass playing to people, but it's like uh, when Geezy was playing the bass line to TV crimes, you know, you talk about Dio era Sabbath. He's kind of like, all of his stuff reminds me a lot of that. It's very melodic, yeah. it's very melodic, but it's still heavy at the same time. It's like that good midpoint between everything, and you can hear the bass. He's one of the few metal bass players where there's a, a bit like Bob Daisley as well from the Aussie band. Yeah. You, yeah, know, yeah. you can hear what's going on, but it doesn't detract from the heaviness. Right. I mean, I think you and I must be the same age because Bob Daisley, uh, I mean, um, Bark at the Moon era is my favorite Aussie era. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and the Dio era Sabbath, I mean, Live Evil is what, uh, yes. when I heard that as 12 or whatever I was, it was just the best thing I've ever heard. How evil is this? And that probably uh, laid the foundation for my, uh, um, you know, my love for live albums. There's just this rawness about mm. it. So, yeah, yeah, I, because I love live music or, you know, live albums, I prefer much more feeling that over uh, perfection, because what is perfection? You know, these days people sit with Pro Tools and everything is cut and perfectly neat, neatly ordered. But, you know, that's just arranging around the clock. It needs to be the musicians, you know, breathing and uh, the, the organic feel. That's what I like about old thrash, because it's. You, you feel the band almost struggling and, you know, oh, you get to like, come on, you know, <laughs> but nowadays everything is just so linear. So I like I like when you hear the sweat and the, you know, the um, 
aggression, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I was having a conversation with Michael Beinhorn, you know, the producer who worked with Ozzy and Corn. He did Corn's mm. Untouchables, I think. And that's one thing I said to him. I said, look, because I think he, I rate him as a producer. I think he's, he's an extraordinary producer. You know, he's worked with Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson, and all of those albums have, I wouldn't they, they, or, they only have him in common from the perspective that he's a producer on them, but they all sound like the musicians know what's going on. They don't sound overly processed, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I, I said to him, because that's my, my thing these days with a lot of the young fellas and girls coming through in the metalcore and deathcore bands is that they're bloody processing the life and, out of the spirit of their music, you know? Yeah. And it's like they're so concerned with making it sound like bloody Metallica's death magnetic which i think is a horrible album to be honest with you yeah yeah <laughs> I <do> too. <laughs> yeah you know i can't listen to it i honestly can't listen to it at all but i i free i constantly hear because i get 10 15 new releases a week and a lot of them are metalcore and deathcore and i, I do try to listen to it all believe me i do because i'm a passionate music fan and yeah but a lot of it man i'm like guys just just take a step back you know inhale exhale and and just allow allow you guys as as musicians to blend a little bit more rather than putting it through a you know a DAW a door and trying to mm. squeeze the life out of it and make it sound brutal brutal yeah, yeah. by by but you, you know um i mean if if i were to get uh, 10 15 albums a week or you know i would probably jump in front of a train or something because <laughs> Because I've seen the other side of the music industry. I've been in the studio, you know, you know, put together. It's probably more over a year I've been in the studio. Mm. And, uh, you know, so you kind of lose the magic. You know that there's retakes and, you know, there's so much. If I pull out an old uh, Rainbow, Rainbow Rising, you know, oh, it's yeah. still magic oh, to me. Cozy Powell. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that, that album might be the best album ever. But, you know, if you, you pull out an album today, you, you hear everything that's been going on. And, you know, maybe pop songs is auto-tune or, you know. So it's it just, uh, A, I've, uh, I've seen behind the scenes, so I've lost that magic. And B, when albums come out sounding so uh, corrected, you know, perfect, uh, according to uh, a clock in a computer, mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, I wouldn't be able to listen to that much new music because it's just... It's probably a sign of me getting old and not understanding today's music, but I like it when you, you just like you say, when it's organic and the musicians can kind of, you know, every take is kind of different. And so there's a there's a reason to make different takes and, you know, to choose the best take. Mm. Well, most, most, a lot of those, not most, but a lot of these bands aren't actually bands. They're one or two people that do everything. And then they've just yeah. got a photo shoot where they've got four or five people standing there. But, you know, typ- yeah. typically it's a drummer, and a guitarist who does the vocals as well or something. You know what I mean? It's always one yeah. of it's, it's always usually that sort of combo. But, yeah, I, I don't know. The genre of deathcore and metalcore, I do enjoy it. I'm not, not a detractor at all. I think there's a lot of good stuff going on there, um, particularly with deathcore, with the stuff like Die Artist Murder and uh, Carnifex <laughs> and a lot of that stuff that's around. Uh, but, yeah, it's and they're good bands, by the way. They're not included in what I'm saying. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I just, especially the young people, just, you know, to your point, man, yeah, get a hold of Rainbows Rising and listen Man, yeah. listen to um, Richie's interplay there with Cozy because I, I think Cozy is the greatest drummer of all time. And yeah, and it, it just listen to Cozy Powell and just watch his videos and watch the way he holds the drumsticks. It's so musical. It's just yeah. so incredibly musical, and you can you can be not copy it, but be inspired by it. Yeah, absolutely. It's so sad that he he you know 
passed oh, yeah. away yeah. too early. And you know the story behind it, I'm sure. I, I do. He's driving his Saab and he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Um, yeah, yeah, he was had a few beers and he was seeing someone's wife and the, that yeah. woman called and said, you know, I'm being beaten up and he jumped in the car and yeah. Yeah, he wanted Tragic. to figure things out. I know. Look, yeah. I, I I maintain, and I'm in the minority here, but uh, I you hear through the grapevine and through very credible sources, I might say that uh, he was in line to replace John Bonham in Led Zeppelin. And oh, wow. mate, I I think well, if there's one person that could have done it, he's the only one. Yeah, absolutely. He or uh, Lee Kerslake, uh, I think, could yeah. have done it as well. Uh, poor old Lee, yeah. who's on uh, his last legs, I hear. You know from. Uh-huh. You know, which is which is a bloody shame, especially what he went through with the Osbournes there, and no royalties yeah. and all the rest of it from those two fabulous albums that Ozzy released initially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mate, I think that's it. I mean, oh god, there's heaps of things I can talk to you about. It's so cool to talk to you, man, because I can tell you're a passionate music fan, and you're in two great bands. Well, thank you very much. I mean, uh, you will be at the show, I'm sure. So we should. Yep. Uh, are you going to be there to do, uh, you know, during the day for interviews or something? I mean, I try to be. The problem for me is that, you know, I'm actually at my. I'm in my 40s, as I've alluded, and I, um, I'm at uni full time, but I've also got two kids, so it's just hard to get out, man. And uh, yeah. So I, I try to support the bands whenever I can to come through, man. So I'm very likely to be at the show. So, man, if we can yeah. catch up, it'd be awesome to have a beer. Absolutely, yeah. If you, if you see me, because I usually walk around, especially since, you know, there's uh, At The Gates is ass after us, so I'll be out. And if you see me, just, you know, walk up to me and grab a hold of me. Oh, thank you very much, That'd brother. be great. Yeah, that'd be very, yeah. kind, very good to have a beer with you, mate, and shake your hand, yeah. Cool, all right. All right, thanks very much, mate. All right, take care, man. All the best. Bye-bye. Don't Catch ya. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and that interview subject was Patrick Jensen from the Swedish outfits The Haunted and also Witchery. Thank you so much for listening.